Well, Jacob, sorry for all this uh, paperwork up top. You know, this is not how we want to ease guests into it. Where the first thing we say is when when you come in the room and start talking and uh, we're, you know, ease into the conversation, we immediately start talking about how things are fucked up. But uh, I do like to open with that. I love chaos. I think that's why I'm a fan of your film. Hey, that was the point of the movie. And, (laughs) you know, it's it's okay. I understand how tricky, you know, I have a YouTube channel. Um, and it can be very complicated to get everything uh, together. And I don't know technical stuff very well. Like, you know, my producer, oh, Jace, who plays the conspiracy theorist, was very wonderful with the technical side of it. You know, like I learned how to make a movie from this whole thing. And so I get it. It can be it can be pretty excruciating. So, Jacob, what's your what's your background? Um, Are you. So like I start, I went to film school for like one semester when I was uh, 18 at Chapman University, but I got really interested in like the modernist writers like Pound and Elliot and, um, you know, like these really incredible writers that you, you really had to study well. And so like after, like I, I realized I wasn't learning a lot about the world in film school and these modernist writers wrote about deeper, bigger questions than almost any film I'd seen. And so I thought, okay, well, I want to be a writer. Um, and I don't want to go to creative writing stuff because um, I'd rather, you know, like these great writers, like they knew everything. And so I studied uh, religion because there was no classics program at my school. Um, and then I went to grad school for religion um, and uh, worked as a professor for a little bit at a junior college. But I also, in general, I was always writing, like trying to be a better and better writer. Um, got some stories published, was working as, as a ghostwriter, and it was like depressing. <laughs> because I was like making other people's dreams come true. Like the people I worked with were lovely and all like, I, I have nothing bad to say about the company, but, but, but I, I felt like I was making other people's dreams come true. And I, I quit. Um, and, and I thought, okay, I'm going to, because part of working in publishing, like I, one of the great things about it is like, I learned what causes a novel to get published and what doesn't. And we could talk about it at some point that may be too far afield, but, but, but part of what I realized is that it, it really at this point, the way the market works, it doesn't really have to do with literary merit, you know, because I spent like three years writing this novel that's like a magnum opus, best thing I've ever done. Um, and, you know, I didn't even get asked for a partial. Like I've had stories published before. I've had uh, scholarship published before. Never even got asked for a partial for this novel. Um, and it was devastating in a way. But it's like I'm going to go off and build my own platform. Like that's that's what I'm going to do. And I was really fortunate to be in a situation where I was able to do that. Um, and and But like right as I quit, a novel I wrote um, – got optioned by this company uh, who, very nice people, but they, I think, um, really didn't understand what I was trying to do with the book. I mean, it was a horror novel and these people like didn't like horror. You know, yeah. like the person that was helping me develop the script, who actually, she was amazing. Uh, but in general, like I asked these people like, well, so, you know, I want to do horror. Like, have you seen Hellraiser? And the answer was no, <laughs> you know? And it's like, well, if we're talking about horror, right? And you haven't seen Hellraiser, then we're probably not on the same like my book was called me and the spirits. And there was this sort of not from her, but from like the person at the top, there's this emphasis, like, can we maybe take the spirits out? Um, <laughs> and it's like, okay, well then, then we don't have much of a book, you know, um, and, or we don't have much of a script. And so um, I was upset, right? Like, like, and I had a little bit of money um, and I thought, well, I'm just going to go off and make my own movie. And this was around 2019. Um, and I was so like for a lot of my life, I was like really terrified you know, like terrified of getting canceled and saying something on social media that would upset people and blah, blah, blah. And something clicked in my brain where I was like, what if I just make the most trolly QAnon movie like ever made? Like, not that I I necessarily believe in any of this, but I made Caviar in part because um, I felt like it was the thing that would infuriate people the most. Like it was the most punk rock movie at that point that someone could make where you have uh, well, where you have that ending and that final shot of a certain person holding a certain uh, <laughs> baby, yeah. right? Like, uh, it, it, I thought it was just a really funny thing to do. Um, and so so that's what I did. And I went uh, off and did that. And actually, it's opened up a lot of opportunities for me. And, um, and we got some really good reviews, as you've probably seen. But we've also, people on Letterboxd uh, hate us. Uh, yeah. And I, okay, so, and the question I have to you guys my sense, even though they don't say it explicitly, is I think it's almost always political. Yeah. Like they're, they're almost like it doesn't have to do with the merit of the film. Like, and they're not going to say that. They're not going to say I was offended by this. But I feel like like you cannot like it. Um, but I feel like it's a well paced and well done enough movie for people to say like this is ambitious and fun 
And, you know, like, I don't think it deserves half a star, you know? Yeah. But well, I mean, I, it's I also, well, it's also, I mean, what you've done here is, I mean, I, I'm going to characterize it as a brave thing. Now, sure, there are some people that would characterize it as a stupid thing where you're making a, a, a satire political film um you know in the culture that we are so you know you're definitely taking a chance there so um i mean that's that's why you know we were interested in it i was like oh okay this guy's really going for it let's see what's going on and then also just the heavy use of ai in the middle of all this controversy about ai and film and you're able to subvert both of those things at the same time yeah yeah you know i i think we we have an ongoing, uh, dare I say, bit. Again, cover your ears if you're one of the people that this drives crazy. But we do a new thing where uh, we've rejected the standards of uh, star rating. We no longer do five star. We don't do 10 star like IMDb. We do 12 because it's the most oh. effective. And there's a spreadsheet if you need a converter for how many stars. We'll, seven. Send, we'll send you the chart. <laughs> yeah. It's very complicated because our personal ratings on every film is very important. And this is how everybody on Letterboxd thinks. Also, they think that everybody is dying to read their newest review. So when a movie like yours comes out, if they were to see that favorably, that might mean they're a bad person. And uh, it probably I, does. It I just probably does. Okay. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, and you know, it can't, this movie came on my radar because I get recommended this kind of shit. People are like, you'll watch it and you'll praise it. And then we'll all like talk about you uh, when you can't hear it. But that's fine. Like, uh, because I liked the movie, I've been called alt-right before, which was not anywhere near as challenging as your film, I don't think. And uh, I would refer to Caviar as challenging because it's clear that you actually understand a lot about politics. And it's clear that you understand a lot about film. And talking to you now, it's clear that you knew putting these two things together would not work. Also Greek mythology. Yeah, well. Greek mythology. We'll, we'll like you're that. very learned, yet there's a little bit of like 12-year-old injected in this movie. So it, it, it was perfect for me and Clark. <laughs> he was oh, absolutely... Okay. <laughs> well, first of all, I mean, you make a girl blush. I, I, I'm, I'm very, <laughs> you know, like I'm overwhelmed by these compliments. It's very kind of you. Um, but it's, it's interesting because even this like appellation alt-right, um, it's, it's interesting because like, if someone watches my film, what I'm criticizing doesn't have anything to do with the right or left, mm -mm. right? Like what I'm actually criticizing is this, um, like neoliberal and neoconservative order that pushes war crimes. And like the main thing that I'm pointing out is like, let's say every bit of the QAnon shit was true. In my opinion, that's not nearly as bad as what we did in Libya under, mm -hmm. you know, Hillary Clinton and Obama or what we did in Iraq, right? Like that line at the end where Jeremiah says, what's a million dead Iraqis? Go to the graves of the ones that have been buried and tell me if you can distinguish their bodies from the carry-on of beasts, right? And, and for people that don't know, carry-on is like raw meat, yeah. right? And, 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 and so this, this extraordinary wickedness that, that I, I think that, that we have, you know, authored that people don't call out very often. Like that's the point of the film right is 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 um i mean i named him jeremiah for a reason obviously as you can tell i named her antigone for a reason um and uh and and the, like that to me is the tragedy of caviar and that's why i made the movie and it's so funny that people are like completely unwilling uh like the the point was to create a knee-jerk reaction the hope was that this provocation would ultimately lead people to start asking questions about what we're told and what's true and false um, and, and, and I think there's still a real opportunity for that, especially considering the upcoming election, if we don't get booted off every platform. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I feel like caviar's day may still be coming, you know, like in the next few months, but, yeah. uh, but my, yeah, what's interesting to me is even this idea of someone seeing this as a right wing movie is insane. Uh, just because, like, I dare to criticize, I don't know, like, AOC uh, or, uh, and, you know, in part, it was because I find it is true that I find her annoying. Um, and, but the other part is- Well, you have ears. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah it, it's that. But the other thing that I find so annoying about her, it's not even, I mean, some of her politics I do find extremely annoying, but but it's not that, you know, like, like someone, I don't know, like, I find Cory Booker's politics annoying. I find- um, 
Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's politics. Okay, we're not going to have time for a list yeah, of yeah. annoying politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be. We just like there are like three people I don't find annoying. Right? Yeah, but, but 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 the thing about her that I find particularly galling is that she is like a champion of censorship in a way mm-hmm. that no one who claims to be a liberal should be. You know, like like that, and she openly lies about people in order to get. Yeah, to restrict speech and civil liberties. And, and and that, to me, I think should be called out. And it's not very often, you know? Yeah, it's funny. That's kind of the the argument I've been making for a long time, is that when I grew up watching the uh, IFC channel, I felt like they were showing you things that you wouldn't seek out. And yeah. that that's kind of the magic of film, was that you could be transported to, like, the life of a, a heroin addict. And it's like, maybe I never wanted to live in that house with them, but now I can kind of experience it and, you know, expand my worldview where I feel like now we're living in a world where it's kind of like you just want to reinforce your worldview by watching films that reinforce it. And it's bled into like horror, where I think horror was kind of the most progressive, open minded, like for a long time. And now we're kind of like reinforcing a model and it's just boring, honestly. And uh, it's funny because you your Venn diagram of like pushing buttons overlaps in an interesting way because you have AOC. And I think, honestly, the thing that annoys me about her is she marks like this new era of the social media politician who is kind of like a lobbyist for clout. Like they don't really do much. It's not really about legislation. It's more about like. Hey, what am I wearing to the Met Gala? Because I'm have you seen those Instagram videos where she's putting on makeup? Yeah, dude, she's, she's a congresswoman. She's putting on makeup on dude, Instagram. She's done video game live streams on Twitch, yeah, and it's yeah. like, well, what are we doing? Like, what yeah. is this? And I mean, you know, the right has theirs too, but oh, yeah. it, but AOC is the queen of it. So yeah. when you came for her, you're getting all these people who don't really wade into politics offended. Because they're like, hey, I know her. And yeah. uh, also, the other thing that's scaring people is AI. And here's here's another thing I've been guilty of. AI, AIOC. AIOC. Because on this show, we, uh, you know, nobody knows this. And I'm going to tell you. And right now, the audience can't hear us. But Jacob, we don't really have David Lynch on our show. But uh, I have a little program, and I've been kind of faking it? it. Nobody knows oh, it wow. yet. Yeah. And recently, it's expanded into uh, uh, Jigsaw's puppet, Billy. I've been doing him too, but I think people would come for me if they knew it was AI. This is a highbrow yeah. show you're on. Yeah. Well, just for the record, there's no AI in our film. AOC was great to work with. <laughs> Fauci, Fauci was a little bit demanding, but but yeah, AOC was a real sweetheart. She didn't understand the script. She didn't actually, yeah, she didn't understand the script. So I think she was like really happy. We just gave her the sides for the day. Dude, how well, did- uh, what was her daily rate? I just, you beat me to it. <laughs> Which, yeah, um, we, we pointed out that, you know, like we we're going to distribute everything equally. Um, and so she, there took, you go. <laughs> um, she, she took scale. Um, okay. So hold on. Wait, we, early on, you talked about uh, writing books and you know yeah. how to market a book. And I, I think, don't know how to market a book. <laughs> I thought you, yeah, well, here's the thing. The relationship of like, that when one would have with a novel is so different from a film. Oh, yeah. And yet I feel like you packed a novel into a movie with caviar and you I, like, I almost think it's like foolish to expect somebody to sit there and actually engage with it. Like, how did we watch caviar? I think it was on Tubi. Tubi. So like, think of that. You go on Tubi and then you watch a film caviar, which is kind of like a, a mixing pot of conspiracy theory, uh, modern politics, AI. And then you have somebody like, like Betsy Brown, who I feel like she's like a hot button just to have in your movie. She's in a lot of interesting work. And one I'm trying to get Clark to watch all the time, Assholes. Have you seen that, Jacob? I haven't, but but Betsy is incredible. Yeah. And and I have a lot of good things, but yeah, go, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm just, it's like, it's such a, there's so many hurdles on this track to get to the end. And um, I don't know. I had a fun journey with it, but by the end of it, when I watched it with Clark, I'm like, this movie's for nobody but us. Like, I don't know who would really wade in there with like, like giving the movie respect, but also having like enough like levity to like laugh. Like you have a lot of interesting concepts in there that are only told through visuals. Like you have stop motion mixed with face, uh, like AI. Yeah. Like, like that when you stop and think about it, it's like, well, what do they represent? Yeah. And it, 
I don't know how many people stopped and thought about that. So that, that was, it was, it was a really interesting, like in pre-production, I was talking to Jace, who is our producer, who uh, anyone should check out small minded animation. If you want to see some of his uh, great work, but, but so we were talking about how we're going to do the owls. Um, and, and I mentioned wanting to do it stop motion. He said like, uh, you know, it's not going to look real. It's gonna, It's obviously going to look like <laughs> stop motion. And he did this beautiful stop motion work in it. But, but the, the point of all of that, right. Is, is this sense that everything feels artificial, you know, like, like, like there's, there's so much, even like those, even the cards, right. Like the, you know, four days till launch, three days till launch, all that yeah. stuff. Like there's this sense of artifice all over um, the movie because there is this questioning of what is real. And, and I feel like we live in an environment right now where, um, where literally everything feels unreal. Like, like where, where the, the, like we don't really trust the media and there's this, there's, and I don't know how to articulate this, but like I could go into Baudrillard, but that would probably be a little too lofty. But, but the, <laughs> the, 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 the question that I keep having, right? Like, it's interesting. Like, so like when you see Star Wars, when you're a kid, it's like overwhelming. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and or even like in, when Independence Day came out, like I could tangibly feel what a hit that it was, right? Like I could feel the way that it captured the zeitgeist. And now when the Star Wars movies come out, it's like, it doesn't feel like Star Wars. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it, it feels like someone doing an impression of Star Wars and everything to me feels like someone doing an impression of something that used to, you know, I don't know if you've seen that South Park episode about member berries. Oh yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it all, everything feels like member berries right now. And, and I wanted to, give that sense um, where like, like what if someone encounters, like they see this weird supernatural thing, but they, what they see is stop motion, you know? And, and also I think it's a really interesting contrast because what we're doing is found footage. And so they're seeing stop motion in like a found footage movie. And that like, yeah, it does take the audience out. But I think I also hope that it makes them start asking questions, you know, like it's not a horror film like Blair Witch. It's a horror film like Evil Dead 2 more you know like that, we're supposed to be laughing at a lot yeah that or you just like breaking rules jacob <laughs> yeah well i i do yes somewhat that's true yeah you know I, the thing i liked about your stop motion was it kind of put you in the perspective of uh, a conspiracy theorist where the fantastical may at times feel more tangible where yeah. you know the stop motion is it's that uncanny valley of like digital work where like everybody complains about CGI just because it feels so unhuman and, but stop motion doesn't. So when you got these owls in there, it's like, those feel fucking real. But Mm -hmm. the, uh, the lady I'm on a zoom call with that feels completely phony. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, man, you made a really smart film. I'm just, I'm like, what, what, how long was the shoot? Like where did the energy and momentum come from? Like, I, I mean, I think uh, Jace, I owe a lot of credit to Jace for that. I mean, Jace is, you know, like Jace did an extraordinary job. Uh, the shoot was eight days, uh, which we didn't, you know, gave us not a lot. I think I owe a lot to Betsy, too, um, and to Al, who played Jeremiah. All of my actors, I think, were wonderful. But but Betsy really helped keep the train on the tracks, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, she's a director in her own right and an excellent one. She made a movie called Actors uh, recently, which is a masterpiece, which I would recommend anybody seeing. Um, uh, but, but the, yeah, I, I mean, learning from Al, uh, who made a great movie called Dogleg, uh, which I think is also, Jay, all three, I'm, I worked with three directors who I think made legitimate underground masterpieces. Betsy with actors, Al, uh, with Dogleg, and then Jace made this extraordinary movie called Tahunga, which you see a poster for in Jeremiah's room a couple times. Um, but hopefully that'll be coming out at some point. Like it was made in the nineties and it's just not come out yet, but it actually, like in the nineties, people saw it and it got him work and stuff. But it's like, it's like the adventures of Pete and Pete in hell, basically. And it's this <laughs> weird, it's this weird nightmare of a movie that's like very bleak and heartbreaking and strange. Um, but yeah, it, it's like if natural born killers had a baby with Pete and Pete um, and it made like less sense, but also <laughs> there's this tone that's unbelievable to it. But so anyhow, like working with three people that really knew what they were doing as directors, because I came as a writer first, you know, like, like, and, and I clearly, you know, I had a sense of what the film would look like and how it would feel because, you know, I wanted to be a filmmaker before I wanted to be a writer, but that um, like going into it with that, I think helped keep the train on the tracks. Um, You know, uh, 
we had a scheduling conflict with a guy that was supposed to play the role of Tim uh, in it. And, and so I had to act that day. That was like the <laughs> biggest hiccup. Uh, and I was like, I really don't want to do that because I'm not an actor. Uh, but I, you know, like that, I think was the scariest moment. Uh, and the, you know, the, the other part was we didn't a hundred percent, like I taught myself how to make deep fakes. And so uh, I, I wasn't completely finished learning when we shot. Uh, and and so that that was also tricky, right? Where it's like I made the deep fakes. Now you know Jace and our special effects guy Joey, I uh, helped composite them and and put them together. But like I I ran the programs, and so that was also a little bit scary because like I could have you know maybe I wouldn't have learned how to do it. You know, like it was it's hard to do. Believe Can it or you not. talk a little bit about that because I've trained some AI models and I know it's yeah. like a lot of pulling what you want. So does that mean you were like pulling hundreds of photos of AOC to like yes. put into a? <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, I did. I did them like a million times. Um, so th there are two things, right? There's deep. There's the face stuff and the audio stuff. And the audio stuff always sounds like uh, text to speech because that's like the only thing that they really had at the point when we were making. Maybe it's changed now. Um, but so for the faces, right? So like almost always when you see a deep fake and it's really good, it's someone doing an impression because you can't really, uh, deep uh -huh. audio is actually way harder to do than the face. Um, but, but so, uh, you know, like obviously like we use that artificiality in those monologues with Clinton and Bush and, and Fauci. Um, but, uh, but so, yeah, so we use this, or I use this software called DeepFace Lab, which is free. You can get it on GitHub or whatever. Um, and the problem is you need a rig, like a real fancy rig, like, you know, if you're mining Bitcoin or something. And so even though I have a pretty nice gaming laptop, like it, that's not enough, you know? So, so what I was using was this thing called Google Collab, which like it allows you to use their servers and like their graphics cards. Um, and if you pay like 50 bucks a month, you, you can use like really good ones. Uh, but like towards the end of that, they banned the use of deep fakes because I don't know if you guys know this, but in general, people aren't using deep fakes to champion civil liberties. <laughs> they're, they're using like very ugly things, you know, um, to put some, you know, movie star's face on a porn star's body or whatever. Yeah. And so, so like that's, unfortunately that's, that tends to be what it's used for. So I can sort of understand the need to curtail that technology. Um, but so as of right now, I think someone would really would need some kind of, uh, you know, service like Google Collab to be able to do it. But yeah, I mean, you you go through the footage, you, you know, like say you get like six minutes of um, AOC um, and you make sure the lighting is similar. You make sure her face is sort of in the same way as you have your, um, was like that's the source. And then the destination is like the actor that you're using, right? So you make sure that that's pretty similar. Um, and then you go through and the AI will cut, will recognize like the face and the eyes and the mouth and all that stuff. And you have to correct it. Like you have to, so, so, you know, like I went through thousands of frames to correct this stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you noticed, but my hair is thinning a bit and I'm amazed <laughs> that I had not pulled it all out, uh, given the the stress of, of making the film, because we really, we didn't have a very big budget. We didn't have uh, a long schedule. You know, I'm, I'm hoping to, uh, start on a new movie fairly soon which will have a much larger budget um it'll be a werewolf movie uh so uh god willing we'll we'll, we'll start that in the next few months um but you know it's it's i feel like it'll be a lot more relaxed you know if you have 25 days to make a movie and you know you have a real budget that's <laughs> it's a lot easier than Wait, what we, what well, we hold on you're making a fucking werewolf movie I hope those so. are those are historically hard due to the transformation that takes place yeah. typically. This is a werewolf movie in the in the sense that caviar is a found footage movie. Okay. Um, right. So so this is this is a very weird werewolf movie. Um, but Are we gonna we, troll yeah. with a werewolf? <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Uh, <laughs> I think everyone, uh, and it's not political in in that sense, but oh, but it's, it's, yeah, uh, um, but yeah. So I hope that answered your question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember the question. It's so interesting hearing you talk about this. Also, it sounds like you put a lot of hours into doing that AI, into that that deep fake. I did. And well, you, me and Jace, um, I think, spent an absurd amount of time on this. You know, like, uh, again, it's like I, I really have to sing Jace's praises there because he's I mean, he, he did a remarkable job and he gave like he was the editor for it. And like there's so many beats or moments that I think he made 
better. Like uh, that scene in the car where I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but there's a scene in the car in a car where like this person is taking Antigone somewhere and something very surprising happens at the end of the scene. And that, that whole thing was like a one shot. That was a one Um, and it did, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right that, you know, that it lasted like a minute and the way he edited it made it feel like they'd been driving for a while. And you know, the music he chose and like all of these, they're like all these little, bits that Jace really helped enhance the scene. And I was, I was reluctant at first, right? Cause we would go back and forth about editing, about like what, how the scene should feel, et cetera, like any director and editor would do. But, um, but I think that moment, especially like really, I think the reason it works uh, if people like that scene is because I, again, like he put a lot of time into it too. It's not just me, but yes, I put a lot of time into it like a way a lot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, um, I mean, it's amazing that it's done. It's a miracle. The thing got made, you know, like, if, if, and for a movie that got shot in eight days. Um, yeah, I, I just, uh, I mean, I don't want to, you know, pat myself on the back too hard, but it's like, I, I think we did okay for a movie that got, you know, that shot in eight days. Um, I did fantastic. one of the few movies I was a PA on, and I, I don't want to say specific, like, I don't want to knock anybody, but I was a PA on a very low budget movie about, 13 years ago. Uh, one of the other things that made me not want to work in film anymore is a very bad experience, but, uh, but that shot in eight days and I've seen the movie. It's also on Tubi, uh, and it's not very good. Uh, let me just say, um, why are you protecting them? You just, I'm I'm protecting them because, uh, because the person who got me that job is someone I respect a lot. Uh, but the movie doesn't reflect your love of them. Yeah, but but I, I, you know, I don't I don't want to talk bad about anybody. Um, in in part because you know, like, it's a you know, like, the, the people that I also the person who produces <laughs> is someone I have tremendous respect for. Just as an artist, you know, um, that movie didn't work. Uh, but he yeah. has made movies that really work, and so I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to say, it, but. So, okay. I'm curious. We just got done um, having an interview with a couple of people who went uh, like VOD route and we heard stories about negotiating with Amazon prime and trying to figure out a cut for another found footage movie. And I'm just curious, did Tubi give you any pushback? I mean, of all the political figures, I imagine Fauci would be like a hot button, especially when this went out. So did they come back and just be like, what the fuck is this? No. Um, well, so we went through Film Hub. I haven't had a conversation with Tubi at all. Um, you, you know, and it's a real bummer about I, I feel like I, I should probably contact Film Hub or someone because, I mean, as far as I know, like it's never on the horror list, like on my Amazon map or uh, on my Amazon app. When I go through the horror, like it was never there. It was on like the recently released when it first came out. But it's like you can't find the thumbnail. You just have to look for it. And I actually feel like it would get a lot larger audience if the thumbnail was there, because I feel like that thumbnail is so provocative that would, it would get a lot of people watching, you know? Um, and, and even like my, uh, description, they changed it into the description on Tubi. I actually don't think sounds very good. I think it sounds like a grammatical and weird, you know? And, and so, uh, yeah, I haven't had a conversation with Tubi. I'm grateful it's on their platform. I wish, uh, yeah, I wish they would put it in, people's recommendations because what, like, how did you find out about it? Who recommended it to you? I got a recommendation from uh, one of our listeners. He's actually the dude who created the 12 star system. So okay. he, fucking, he fucking gets it. Yeah. So it got, it got recommended to me because um, I don't give a shit. <laughs> and I'm kind of, you know, I'm of, of the mind that if a movie is pushing buttons, that's more valuable than like going to the theater and kind of uh, melting away which I do think there's a time and a place for an escape. But I, I mean, we do a fucking podcast. So the most valuable thing for me to watch is something that will get me talking or thinking about it. And I, I hope that's why it was recommended to me. Yeah. <laughs> Other than I did also get in trouble. We had um, uh, Annie Hardy on here after she did the movie dash cam. Have you ever seen that? I think dash cam is, um, I think it's the best horror film since Midsummer, and I think it's one of the best. Um, I think it's one of the best. It would probably be in my top five of the like twenty tens yeah. movies. I believe it came out in twenty twenty. So yeah, maybe I guess of this decade, then it's of this decade. Then it might be my favorite uh, horror movie so far. I think Dash Cam is extraordinary. Um, 
I all, I might have thrown up from laughing so hard. The first time I saw it. Um, I, it is also one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Uh, like, uh, I, like there's, I don't think that I could say enough good things. Like, this, I, we could have three or four podcasts of me just like going through every detail of dash cam and talking about how much I, I loved it. And also, um, I believe it came out after we shot caviar and one of the most, there was a slight feeling of devastation uh, when I saw it because I was like, I don't know if we can reach that height. Dash cam <laughs> is, um, yeah. dash cam is amazing. Hey, if you could ever get Annie Hardy uh, caviar, if you could send that her way, I would be immensely grateful. Um, I would love to hear her thoughts on it. I think she's uh, marvelous. Dude, uh, we should try and do that. I, I do know that. So we had Annie on the show and it made people angry. Not a lot of them, but it made some of them very angry that we would platform a person like that, which was <laughs> which was so weird yeah. to me. And I mean, well, because what we're talking about is like liberal arts. Right. And it's like Annie Hardy is a fucking character. And we had a great time talking to her. Great time. But, you know, all these people beaming her with negative energy. They kind of like molded this troll that they wanted her to be. And online, she was just like going off after. And I remember being like, oh, this is perfect timing yeah. <laughs> to like fuel these arguments that we're in. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, it was such a good conversation. And then, um, you know, we do an unnamed footage festival. It's it's a, a film fest that's all found footage movies. And it's kind of the same thing with caviar, where it's like movies that are dubbed lowbrow just because of the niche or the subject matter. But really they have, they're saying a lot more. So, you know, we like to take like a highbrow approach to lowbrow cinema or something hacky like that. And it's like, how are we not going to talk to her? That movie was fantastic. And uh, yeah, so that's probably why caviar came across my plate. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah dash cam oh also host is a masterpiece i haven't seen boogeyman yet that's it's on my list i like i usually a lot of times i'll watch movies while i'm working and i don't want to work while i watch boogeyman um mm-hmm. but because like i really want to take it in uh but but dash cam i thought was amazing but also i thought host was so the last of like this of this decade um uh movies that actually scared me is which is pretty rare um, host and talk to me are like the only two movies I can think of that like actually scared me recently. Um, I mean, caviar isn't really designed to scare you. I feel like the ending should make you feel sick and sad, um, in a way, but, but like, like I was, I, laughing, I I was laughing pretty hard. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's there too. Um, uh, just because you laugh doesn't mean you don't feel sick and sad. Right. Oh, um, oh yeah, been saying uh, that for thirty-seven years. Yeah, exactly. That's like every Anthony Jeselnik, uh, uh, you know, act. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, to me, Host is incredible too. Like it's so beautifully done. Like, like that's yeah, that's a great movie as well. Yeah, you know, Host is great, and I think it's one of those horror movies that comes out of like the time, and it really like yeah. captures it well. But the thing about Dashcam was. I've always said, I think if you really want to break it, to boil it down to what would be a real found footage movie, one, you have to have like an antagonist as a protagonist. And it needs to be usually people who are pushing buttons all the time. I think they show that in the original VHS, which is dubbed like a misogynist Bible now. Whatever. The the like the like postmodernist look at like fiction that is newish because they never go that far back. But it's just, it's so, I don't know, it's like a destructive uh, process. And I think Dashcam kind of took that head on. I mean, God, they had the new um, Upside Down Cross, the the MAGA hat made an appearance. And when we talked to Annie, she was like, you know, that wasn't, that that was mine, but I got it to troll my parents. Like, she's like, I know the power of that hat. And actually, if you heard our interview with her, you should go listen to it. No, send me a link. I didn't realize you had her on. I I love I I love her performance in that movie. Um, and and yeah, I, I would I would love to talk to her at some point. I think she's fantastic. But there's uh, so the question I, okay, so have you seen that Curb Your Enthusiasm episode about um the MAGA hat? Larry, yeah, like Larry David supposed <laughs> to wear one so that he can avoid people. Yeah, like people just don't want to talk to him anymore. Uh, if he's wait, so I and I so Clark, it sounded like you had a question. I I wanted to say something about sort of the postmodern assessment of movies these days but i didn't i didn't want to uh it sounded like you had a question for me i didn't want to step over you no 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 no. keep going 
No. Okay. So, well, yeah. so, okay. So Russell, like I, I like light bulbs went off in my head when you said that, because to me, there's this thing, there's this difference, right? Because it's interesting. VHS is complicated, but it's interesting because just because those characters are misogynist, it, 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 it's like, first of all, they get their comeuppance oh, yeah. uh, by the end of it, like every one of them. And it's like what they're doing, like sharking or whatever it is they're doing. Uh, at the beginning, right? Aren't they like pulling girls' skirts down or shirts up or something yeah. like really gross? Yeah. Um, but but like, like the fact that a character is misogynistic doesn't mean that the movie advocates for something like that. And and, and what's interesting to me is I feel like so often uh, we've like um, I think the term is nerfed. Like like is that it? Like to make everything safe? Is that is it like or or maybe we've like created this playground and horror instead of becoming you know like to me horror actually is tragedy. They're the same thing. And, and, you know, like Macbeth is a tragedy, Antigone, or Macbeth is a horror movie, um, uh, Ajax, you know, of Sophocles Ajax or Prometheus uh, Bound or, um, you know, the work of Marlowe, right? Like all of this, like very, like Tamerlan and Dr. Faustus, like those are clearly horror movies, you know, in, in like the most explicit sense or horror work in the most explicit sense. And, and what's interesting is it seems so often that, these, that the modern sort of, I guess what you would call like a postmodern analysis or like this, this new way of looking at films has to do more with wish fulfillment. And, and they're much more interested with the way the characters interact in a way that it's like, would I want to hang out with these people? Mm. Um, and, and and it seems like there's that correlates directly to this kind of like loneliness that a lot of these people feel that are hyper online. Um, you know, I'm, I, I tend to be very reclusive, so I'm, I'm not judging anyone for that. But 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 it seems like it's much more about wish fulfillment. And, and does this movie affirm my values? then does it challenge me or, or make me ask questions about human nature that maybe I'm uncomfortable with? And, and to me, you know, like that old cliche, like um, art is supposed to comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. Um, I, I think that's one of the really powerful um, things that art can do. And, and, and so, you know, like when you see a movie like The Exorcist, um, you know, like The Exorcist makes me cry. Like your heart breaks for that mom. Yeah, you know, and 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 like her sense of helplessness, or that the Blair Witch Project, I think is just one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it, I think it's on par with The Exorcist. And your heart breaks for Heather when she's like, "I'm sorry," like I just want to say, "I'm sorry" to everyone. Like I screwed this up, and this was like I did this, and everyone's gonna die because of me. But you're like, "Well, it's not really your fault, Heather." And like her tragedy, like you feel her tragedy, and yeah, that's uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like it's okay to be uncomfortable with it. like. Annie Hardy, first of all, I think she's like harmless, her character in that movie, mm -hmm. but she's also so funny. Like, like when she refuses to wear masks in places and they kick her out or when like she eats, you know, like she goes and she eats the eggs of people, like she'll go and eat their stuff, even though it's closed. And like, there's so, she's so funny that it's like really hard to hate her. And it's amazing that I think people didn't hate her because of the thing she did in the movie, I think it's because of the thing she said and because of her politics. And I, th it seems to me that again, okay. Like if we are, um, and I'm not like a huge Trump guy or anything, but what's interesting to me about, let, let's go with Alex Jones. I think Alex Jones is a better example. Um, where a lot of people see Alex Jones as this monster. Um, and like, you know, it's good that he's off every platform, blah, blah, blah. But, but what's interesting to me is so like the, the Sandy hook thing, you know, not good, uh, very bad. He's never stopped apologizing <laughs> for that. If, if you yeah. ever listen to Alex Jones, like, like he, he will not stop apologizing for it. And he was absolutely uh, nuked from every social media platform. And yet, um, and we can go into detail about this, but, but you know, major media corporations who lied, you, you know, who accepted the lies of American intelligence uncritically and got us into war in Iraq, you know, um, and, the, the, you know, likely millions of lives lost because of these lies. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, we have this national security apparatus that's expanding and is constricting civil liberties, et cetera. Like, who has more blood on their hands, Alex Jones or Anderson Cooper? You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, who is more morally culpable? Who, who has wrought greater evil in the world? So, so all of these people, like, like it, it seems like what someone says matters so much more than what they do. And I think that's I think it's pathetic. And, and and I think most people react like it doesn't have anything to do with morality. I think it has to do with fear and wanting to be part of an in-group. And I think that's an absolutely toxic trait for any culture. And I, I think it needs to be I think it needs to be routed from our culture as as severely as possible. And and that caviar wasn't a tip to do that. I mean, in my director statement, I say that caviar is a weapon. 
right? It's meant to be a weapon um, against this kind of of ugliness. Uh, but yeah, well, so anyhow, sorry, I, I didn't. <laughs> no, that was nice beautiful. Right there. Um, Jacob, I can tell you, the cool kids got it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, if you I know, you so. know. It's funny because actually one of the uh, first bad reviews we got was from someone on the right. Uh, or like on the QAnon right. And they're like, this is disgusting because uh, they don't take the QAnon story serious enough. Like, this is all a joke to them. <laughs> right? So so on, on the left, we get, you know, how dare you say something wrong about St. Fauci, who is looking worse and worse every day, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's never a good story, a new story about Fauci that comes out, right? Yeah. But yeah, but on the right, we got, you know, like, how dare you not... Um, and I'm happy to talk to Trump supporters or, you know, people on the far left or anybody like like the fact that you're not able to talk to people, I think I think says more about you. And I think that's yeah. that talks about an inner cowardice. I don't think it has anything to do with this, like the morality that they pretend to be, uh, uh, you know, championing. Well, we've we've lost discourse in our culture and, you know, it's yeah. uh, everything's just, um, you know shitstorm after shitstorm and we just you know it's just it goes straight to fighting and there's no you know actual you know intelligent you know dialogue that we could take place which kind of brings me to um my i, I want to talk about all right there's two things but I, I let's talk about um jace who you, you you've mentioned several times but uh let's talk about his sort of um very alex jones inspired character in yeah. the film because that is something that that uh, Russell and I enjoyed tremendously is that because and, and Russell, you can uh, certainly speak to this because it's it's mostly your point about, you know, how. Um, yeah, yeah. It, I know. When, I, you, when you want to comment, Alex Jones, you know, people, for example, um, Stephen Colbert uh, did a did an Alex Jones type of character uh, that was uh, truly horrendous because he's trying to do Alex Jones. But when you do Alex Jones. You're not going to take him down. You're only going to make it just seem um, it's just not going to be good. You were able to sort of divert that by having the most anti Alex Jones looking guy play that conspiracy type of guy. So kind of walk us through through that and and sort of your plan for that character. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of, first of all, I, I'm sure Jace would love to talk to you guys too. He, he actually, he heard your review and he, he spoke, he was, he really made his day. It sounded like, like he, he was really happy with the review. Um, and, and so like a lot of the character work, I, I almost feel like, um, you know, like you would probably want to ask Jace, but so the, in terms of the writing, you know, cause I wrote it, um, sure. there are a lot, so there was a moment where we wanted to get Alex Jones. Like we, we were trying to make an offer to Alex Jones to actually be in the movie. We, and we thought it would be funny if the only character in the movie that wasn't deepfake <laughs> was Alex Jones. Um, but but uh but it didn't end up, you know, like the stars didn't end up aligning there, so to speak. Uh and I think what we got was actually better. I think I think Jace is a better uh version of that. It's interesting. Norm McDonald, uh before he passed away, R.I.P. Norm, uh maybe the greatest comic uh, of our generation or of our lifetime. But Norm McDonald said something really interesting about um Alec Baldwin's impression of Trump. And, I, you know, I think Alec Baldwin is, is a brilliant actor, but but his impression of Trump, it's interesting because McDonald said it's not a good impression because you can tell that Alec, that Alec Baldwin hates him. Yeah. And and, and because yep. of that, it doesn't feel authentic. Yeah. Um, and and I think so. Colbert is is interesting. Um, I want to make it video or something about him at some point because i feel so sad for colbert because there was this like um his speech uh, at at bush's uh like white house correspondence dinner is one of the most courageous and extraordinary comedic things i i think um of this century i think it's amazing i think he's i think it's amazing and then colbert ended up actually advocating you know if you read glenn greenwald um uh, you'll see that like a lot of the people that were on the neocon right have switched to this neoliberal left um, and, and a lot of these forces that that you know sort of help put the Patriot Act together um, uh, now are uh, we're behind sort of a lot of the lockdown and censorship uh, regime of COVID, right? The more draconian ideas during the COVID pandemic. Um, and tell me if I'm if you don't want to talk about this, I don't want you to get no, like, you're good. Off, 
social media platforms or whatever. Um, but, but a lot of that, like those are the same forces. And, and it really saddens me because Colbert is, I think, a really singular talent. Um, and it's interesting that now he's actually advocating for the very empire that he, uh, that he so skillfully, um, you know, eviscerated during his time at Comedy Central. And, and, and yeah, I, I think it's heartbreaking. I, I, I say, you know, I'm also a Catholic. I'm a Catholic convert. And I, I say in all sincerity that I pray for his well-being, you know, like because, because I, I think it must be a terrible, a terrible place to be in. And, and I, I don't remember the context of this quote. And so maybe I'm just totally getting it wrong. But I remember someone, and it was like a good piece about Colbert, but I remember someone saying, that Colbert said to them about getting in comedy that like, you have to check your conscience at the door. Um, <laughs> and I fear that he may have done that. Um, and, and, and I think his current work is actually a betrayal of all of his earlier work. And, and it makes you see it in a different context. Um, yeah. And, and I think it's really sad to be, uh, yeah, to be the champion of a regime uh, that is so bloodthirsty um, and that is so hateful. Um, and that it's so, again, you know, radically against the, the values of uh, our shared faith. I don't know. I, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> but it really does. conversely so, Jacob, I bet he has two homes in Nantucket now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. Pretty too. He, he can door dash anytime he wants. That's um, it. That's the trade. Yeah. Um, the worst thing, though, the worst rule that he broke is that he's put like the message before the art. Like you can feel yeah. it in everything he does. It's not funny. And you know, at the end of the day, well, he's playing to his crowd. Cause that's all they want to hear. Yeah. But it's so, what's amazing, that's also amazing because he's so funny. Yeah, like, I know. There is, is like insanely funny. Very um, talented. But, dude, you know, that moment with him and John Stewart, when they were talking about Wuhan, yeah. it was so painful because John Stewart was like, he was kind of my introduction into politics when I was young. And it was because he was funny. And, uh, you know, eventually you start picking up on things and you start actually learning. Yeah. But to like see, you know, Colbert kind of came up under him clearly. And then to have that weird moment where like Stewart's clearly doing like a bit and it's funny. And then Colbert's almost like putting the kibosh on it. And you're like, where where are we right now? <laughs> yeah. So I, part I, of me, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you're good. Uh, so, so, so part of me um, kind of wonders about that thing because like almost always on a talk show right like you tell people what you're going to talk about i kind of wonder if that was like worked out between them where colbert is going to say like oh i'm going to pretend not to like this but we want to get this message out like i, I wonder if there's because it, it would surprise me a lot if like truly john stewart decided to you know like surprise him that much but uh i don't know one of my favorites by the way then uh, speak of like not doing what you're told on a talk show. Have you ever seen the Norm, <laughs> the Norm Macdonald thing on The View? Oh, or, of course. Wait, have you shown it? Like, I think so. Probably. It's yeah. It's, it's one of the best things ever. Where where I guess like Bush. It's like the Bush and Gore election, and they're like, "Well, who are you going to vote for?" And he's like, "Well, I really like George W. Bush. I think he's a great guy." Which you know, we have a strong disagreement <laughs> there. But 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 he's like, you know, at least George Bush didn't murder anyone. Like oh, Clinton. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and he won't stop. Like he won't stop being like Clinton is a yeah. murderer. It's a matter of record. Um, which, uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised that I, you know, like maybe a good argument. Like if caviar really pops at some point in the next few months, um, uh, if I'm not dead, uh, I will <laughs> then stop believing in the Clinton kill list. Uh, so for the record, just to let everyone know, I'm not suicidal. I'm happy with my life. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, like, you're on the record. Yeah, I'm on the record there. So, Jacob, you're not important enough to get on that list. You wish. <laughs> Although That's I have true. been getting a bunch of push notifications on my phone about Obama's chef. So that this is the kind of people you're dealing with, Jacob. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But hey, like if caviar gets notoriety, then they might. But my next movie isn't political, right? Like I'm not actually like fundamentally a polit like if you see my yeah. other work, most of my work is not political. Like most of my work deals with like these big spiritual questions. I, I wrote, I made caviar because I was like so angry um, at the censorship stuff. Like I, I yeah. was filled with rage. <laughs> and so like my biggest worry about caviar is that the message might supersede the art. Um, Jacob, I hope here, here, no, let me jump so in. So caviar two is not on the table? <laughs> no, not really. No, I, I wrote a, uh, 
I wrote a comedy that started as like, so my initial, um, initially it was the idea was a sequel of like what happens to Caesar. But, um, this, yeah, I took out all the caviar stuff. Like it's a dystopian comedy. That's (laughs) I think also going to be very low budget, but that's, it's like even less commercial than caviar. So, uh, I want to do the werewolf thing first because that at least I feel like people like it feels like the first half of it definitely feels like a Blumhouse movie. I love Blumhouse, you know, so it's like yeah. that. It feels much more like that than like like caviar does. Also, very quickly, I yeah. just want, I just want to tie that one loose in. So how close were you to getting Alex Jones? Not very. Um, uh, <laughs> okay. You know, my, my casting director who did an amazing job, like, you know, th- there were some mutual friends and, and he contacted them and, and, you know, like their people basically said uh, that this was like right in the middle of the lawsuits, uh, I, as I recall, and he just was sort of overwhelmed and like he didn't he didn't do that sort of thing at this point. <laughs> Yeah. yeah I, mean, what, I, I, love Alex Jones. I don't agree with him all the time, but I think it's okay to listen to people that you, I listen to Brianna Joy Gray all the time. And I think like, I learned so much from her and I disagree with her. I like, I love Alex Jones. It, it, people should, it, people should listen to Alex Jones more. I think Alex Jones is American treasure and I won't, uh, you know, like, I agree. Full stop. I, I don't like Nick Fuentes, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, 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 but you know, I think it's unfortunate that Nick Fuentes has, somehow gotten on Alex Jones more than once. I feel like he should not be, you know, know. I think there's a lot of people listening that just don't understand Alex Jones at all. And they know it's like, just stay away from him. He's a a cult of personality and he's evil. My personal journey with Alex Jones, the name of my memoir and the story I'm about to tell started at round table. When I was managing, there was a new dude who moved there from Houston, Texas. He was highly religious and uh, extremely alcoholic. He uh, was a huge conspiracy guy. And I remember one day while we were stalking the salad bar, he started telling me about Alex Jones. And I'm like, this all sounds like shit because he did local access TV out there. And I'm like, why would you listen to that dude? And he was like, well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever looked at the dollar bill? And, you know, I know I know everybody here has had this this talk where you're like, wait, no, I haven't. You're like, what's that? It's the all seeing eye. Why is that on our currency? And, you know, you go through everything and all the the esoteric uh, meaning behind whatever. And I remember having my whole life change and I went outside and I'm like, we're doomed. We're fucked. (laughs) The Illuminati is going to kill everybody. And I remember a week later being like, that was really weird. But. My takeaway was Alex Jones is a fucking comedian. I thought he was incredibly entertaining and I didn't believe mostly anything he said, even though, you know, a lot of it will bounce back as like having some roots in fact, but I'm like, dude, Tim Dillon knew what he was doing by channeling that into his podcast, the like ranting, because it's fucking hilarious. And Alex Jones got a fantastic Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, Yeah, but it's, it feels very Alex Jones to me. The kind of like I'm on a pedestal with a megaphone spouting insanity. Sure. Yeah, well, but but I'm rush in, as well. But I'm but I'm intelligent and like well, Rush has that kind of he he's really got that radio like tone to yeah. him, which is kind of like deadly serious and kind of monotone. Even though where Alex Jones is like unhinged cartoon, you know, like <clears throat> were you gonna jump in there? Or are you just coughing, Jacob? Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. Uh, my apologies. Yeah, I should have muted that. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, oh, is that the signal? I'm going on an Alex no, Jones no, no, rant. No, no, and uh, you know, I I do think it's hilarious that you're gonna follow up caviar with a werewolf movie. But when you mentioned liking Bloomhouse, I have to say there's a film that I've called uh it feels Jason Bloom hired Michael Haneke to make a movie, and it's uh Where Evil Lurks. So I highly recommend you watch that one. Very genre forward, very grim. And Is I was thinking, it, I think it's, oh, Oksana, jump in here. Is I that on VOD? Okay, it's called Where Evil Lurks, you said? Yeah. Yeah. VOD? No? Eh, just come back to it. But I, I started thinking about that because you're talking about things you shouldn't watch, right? And it's funny because I uh, we've had Stephen Byro on this show. And if you don't know him, he runs a company called Unearthed. And it's kind of like art meets the most brutal, lowbrow, shock entertainment. Like he put out August Underground. And I'm sure you know what that is. 
I don't know. Is he a distributor? Or he's a distributor. Yeah. August Underground is a movie that um, you know how earlier he picked up a Serbian film. Yeah. He championed, he okay. did a 4K of Serbian film. Yeah. But August, I, should, I should write to him. We're looking for a Blu ray distributor. Uh, oh, please do. I would love to get one. Yeah. If I, I, if, if you could connect us, because I, I would. So we've been looking for, through a few places um, for like to get like a nice Blu ray yeah. of caviar, you know, because we, we like it on physical media. Um, and a lot of times, like the 2B quality, we upload in 6K. And I think it's only SD, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, like our our we shot the whole movie in 6K. Damn. It looks better than it does. You can get it on HD on Amazon, and it's really like like our. It's going to be a 4K movie because obviously, like some of that stuff is very low resolution. You don't want to you don't want it to be in 6K, right? Yeah. But but uh, but yeah, you can get HD on Amazon. Uh, but sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yes. Yeah, so no, no. You, oh, you know, to to finish that thought, uh, my dream for a release of Caviar would be through Vinegar Syndrome. I do know they put out Assholes, the movie I mentioned earlier, which is still like it's Peter Vac, Betsy Brown. Like they're not scared to take a chance on uh, upsetting people. And they they have a beautiful slip cover that comes out with it. It's hard cardboard. The uh, materialist in me loves when a movie I like gets put out by them. But um, yeah, I don't know what the fuck I was talking about before. Why was I talking about Unearthed? Oh, because the whole idea of like what what you're allowed to watch um, given the uh, the judge the judgment of your friends, it's funny to me that there are movies that um, try to try to convince people that they're actually snuff films, which is not a faux pas. But if you yeah. watch something that that puts a maga hat in a frame, then, then you know yeah. you can't talk to my parents now. Like yeah. I don't. It's it's such a weird world. It's 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 or if you listen to like Joe Rogan or whatever, yeah. you're right wing, which is crazy, right? Like like uh, it's it's interesting to me. So I, I'm not as big of a Rush fan, uh, or I would say I'm not a Rush fan at all. I do think he's done some funny things. I I I feel like I hated his politics so much that he to me he was like a Sean Hannity type that okay, maybe had yeah, better jokes. Yeah. Um, but you know maybe I don't know him well enough. But but like but to me. Um, What's so interesting about Jones is Jones isn't really a conservative in no. the sense that like um, he was not a yeah. Bush guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Like, no, he like hated I mean, him. Really, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and what's interesting to me about Jones is there's so much that he's done that later ended up being true. And there, like, there's a lot, like even like the DARPA stuff about COVID, the first person I ever saw reporting that, and I'm sure it probably broke on Twitter or something beforehand, but the first person i saw reporting that was jones and then weeks later you know you'll see it on the hill or you'll see it you know in uh breaking points or whatever or in news uh paper headlines um and and yeah to me like there's you know 70 percent of what jones writes about like later comes out as true mm -hmm. um the chimeras <laughs> yeah, well, that I made a documentary about that actually. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it got kicked off of YouTube, but it's still on Rumble. It's called "Funny How the World Ends." Uh, I think. Yeah, I'll send you guys a link if you want to see it. But uh, I had to change the title. Uh, but, but um, yeah. So the thing about Caesar, right? The Caesar character. What to me was interesting about like there's there's this old screenwriting rule that says like show don't tell. And, and, and the idea, like, to me, one of my least favorite things in movies is when, um, I think Jacob's Ladder is a good example of this, where there's all this, like, brilliant stuff until the last moment. And then the last 10 minutes, this guy just comes out and explains everything. Um, and, and, and you're like, man, I feel totally deflated. Um, and, you know, I, the performances in that movie are amazing. There's so much that's amazing in that movie. I, I'm not at all knocking that movie, but I feel like structurally that's a good example of, like, you know, it, I feel like it's sort of deflated things. And, and so this idea of expository dialogue, um, you know, like I know we, I knew we'd probably have to have it for a story this complex and with this many ideas. And so I thought that it would be really funny if at, you know, like at the point when we get our expository dialogue, especially with that interview, right. Um, in, in the movie, like if, so the audience is waiting for, okay, let's explain things. And then they would start watching and they'd be like, wait, is this, is this QAnon? Like, is he doing QAnon? <laughs> and then by the end of it, it's like, no, he's actually just doing QAnon. Like, he's, he's literally... Um, and so I thought it would be funny to have this, like, slow reveal of things getting more and more QAnon-y um, as the movie uh, went along. And 
you know, Jace was was so marvelous um, in that it was uh, that I think was one of the easier things to write in the sense that it's like I just wanted to channel like. Yeah, I mean, it does. Obviously, like there's there's this nod to Alex Jones, but I think what Jace helped turn it into and, and you know, like what we sort of ended up doing. Uh, especially with like uh, the set design, which like I designed a version in Blender and then, you know, Joey is much better at Blender than me, which, you know, that's a low bar, but Joey did great. You know, he's way better than, uh, than me at Blender. Uh, you know, he sort of made it look better than my version. But um, but what we wanted it to feel like was um, Alex Jones in like public access era. Right. So like even the editing. Right. Like yeah. like uh, Jace edited that interview to where it's like it's not like CNN would edit it. It's like someone that really doesn't know how to edit that well would edit that interview. You know, like it feels truly like an artifact of that kind of media. Um, and there's another element um, that that we really tried to introduce and that viewers. I think will note without spoiling too much. Uh, so there's always this pretext in found footage pictures uh, that how did you get the footage, right? Like, like, you know, Blair Witch, you know, we found this in the woods, you know, near where they disappeared or paranormal activity. It's like, this is, you know, this is the from footage from the camera. This is the footage from the security people. Um, and I love, by the way, I think paranormal activity is one of the best franchises like ever. I love, um, especially My one, man. three, five, like oh, yeah. paranormal activity, the marked ones, um, I think stands with dash cam as being like a high watermark for found footage movies. And I made my crew, like I sat and I watched it with Betsy and Al, um, as I, I recall, uh, like while we were shooting, like, you know, after shooting with done for the day, I think, I think we all three of us watched the Mark ones because like we, that's the movie, like that was my standard for a movie that feels like the pacing feels good and it's exciting and it's not boring. But, um, but so like in every found footage movie, there's this, like, how do we get the footage? And this movie, right? Like, how did you get the footage? But notice at the very beginning, Klaus Schwab says to our new friend, <laughs> welcome, this is your souvenir. This is a souvenir to whom, right? So who cut it together? And so we had this idea of there's another character in the movie that you never see that we call the malicious editor. And an editor who is on the side of the bad forces in this movie decided to cut this together as a souvenir, as a gift to their newest initiate. Um, and so this is like his yearbook. Um, How adorable. <laughs> sure. A priceless gift. How did I not retain that? You know, Jacob, I'm so glad that you, you spoke about this because one of the things I've tried to like get out there about found footage is that uh, the really like fully formed found footage films, they need to consider the editor extremely uh, as a character, since the whole product is made of the characters. Like, what was I, I was calling it like the editor a tour theory or something. Cause I, you know, I love my true foe. And uh, I, I don't know, hearing you talk about that, man, it, it really makes sense why your film just, it fucking works. I, um oh, I, I think you did something special here. I, well, I appreciate that. I hope, yeah, I hope it gets um, a wider audience. I mean, I'm grateful that it already has the audience it's had. I, you know, a lot of people do like it and those people don't always write IMDb reviews, but you know, like <laughs> it, it's, it's funny. Like it's interesting. Cause like, I don't know of any movie that has this many bad, like letterbox and IMDb reviews. And yet like the two reviews on Rotten Tomatoes are like really positive. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Like, so, so, so it's like some people get that, Hey, this movie, like they, they get what I was trying to do. And then, um, cause my other concern, you know, obviously you never want to be the guy that makes the room, right. You want to be the guy that watches <laughs> the room, but you never want to be the guy that makes it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like I'm, I feel very uh, grateful that, you know, it's provoked people and I hope it continues to do so. Cause I, I definitely, um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's why we made it. Um, do, do we want to do another zoom thing? I see we have two minutes left. Well, yeah, we hit an hour and that's, that's what we try to shoot for. So I think we did okay. it. And, uh, but I mean, you know, Jacob, you're a guy, I mean, we could talk to you all day. So it's one of those things. And, um, you know, anytime in the future, you know, you just want to want to ramble some more Well, we're down to ramble with you. Dude, Jacob, um, 
I think you're an important mind to watch in film, and I recommend that well, people you. stick with you and watch your found footage werewolf movie because it's going to be in. Oh, yeah, yeah, the werewolf is not found footage. Oh, come on, man! Uh, what the no, 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 no. You'll you'll see the we- the werewolf. No. <laughs> the werewolf is is a weird. It's actually based on a nightmare that I've never been able to shake. But the werewolf movie is is a is much more of a standard film. At least the uh, yeah, you'll see. You'll see. <laughs> On that note, Jacob, I love you. We're about to run out of time here, but we're recording. We can keep talking. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.